See, Pastor Winnie or myself. All right, we're moving forth in our Character Under Construction Sermon Series. We thank God for the great kickoff on last week. How many of you have still learned things and resonated from Pastor Wendy's message? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So this week, we're going to be talking about manufacturing results. Manufacturing results. And I looked around the room, and I'm one of the few. So we're going to do this kind of, uh, how do you say, um, I can't find the right word, symbolically. Most of you all are wearing short sleeves. But I want you to symbolically imagine yourself unbuttoning your sleeve and start rolling your sleeves up because now it's time to go to work. We're not just going to get stuff. We're going to start manufacturing stuff. So you ask why you say manufacture because it's, it's easy for me to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I trust you in all my ways and lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways, we will acknowledge you that you will direct our paths. We thank you for everyone that's here on today. We thank you for Holy Spirit meeting us right here, right now. You know everything in our hearts. You know every desire, every passion. You know where we've come from. You know where we are and you know where we're going. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. It's easy for me to say, I need to go to the store and get groceries. People say, I'm going to go make groceries, but we don't make groceries. I need to go to the filling station, or I need to go to 7-Eleven. I need to get gas. Or I need to go to the store and get some shoes. But wouldn't it be better if you were able, you had your own little shop in the back of your house or somewhere that you could go and make or manufacture your own shoes? You could put all the bedazzle and stars and shoestrings and buckles and heels and you can say, I was part of the process. I didn't just go get shoes, I manufactured shoes. It's something when we get involved in things that it makes a difference. There are some people who just don't feel the heart of going out onto the streets and ministering to the homeless people. They would just assume give you a donation because they don't feel comfortable. But isn't it something special when you can go to someone that you know has a need and say, here, I'm giving this to you. It makes a big difference. And I'm not putting down because if you're not comfortable with those things, then it's a different thing. But when you're part of the process, knowing that you help somebody, not just because you gave a check, but because you met them where they are. Let's look at our lives as Christ looks at us. Because God is looking at us and saying, you are the go-to people that I have placed in the world. You are subject matter experts at fixing problems because my word is in you. So we, are have to, we must be responsible for manufacturing results. Say, I'm manufacturing, I'm manufacturing. Results. results. So let's look at our lives as we're running it like a business. And I'm not business savvy, but let's just, y'all just kind of work with me for a minute. We are in the business. For a company to be remotely successful, 
you have to have at least one of two things, if not both. You've got to have either great management or you're putting out a really good product. You've got to have great management or you have to be putting out a really good product or both. How many of us work for companies that we can say, you know, the people I work for are just great. I like working with those people. But then we say, but the way they do things, I don't particularly agree with. I mean, that's just life. Not that you hate the job or you hate anything, but you see where things could be done better. But isn't it so much better when the product and the company or the production line and the company can work together? And that's what God is calling us to do. Our spirit man and our flesh are always, will always be at odds with each other. The spirit and the flesh war against each other. So if you're wondering why you're feeling the way you are, why you don't want to get up and go to church, why you don't want to read your Bible, why you don't want to pray, it's because your spirit and your flesh will never agree. Amen? Amen. They will never agree. But we have to be renewed in our minds and we have to learn how to, even though they're at war, your lives are a testament, a testament to what God will do. And you right now are manufacturing results. Say, I'm manufacturing results. Now, every business needs to make, oh, excuse me, every, every business need a business needs good materials in order to make a good product. And in order to make a good product, you need quality control. You have to have quality control. I work for a company around here when I first got back, first retired from the Army, and I worked on an assembly line. Every single product, it wasn't every 10 or every 20, every product that came off of that assembly line was inspected for quality control. And it's an ongoing task. And if there was the slightest thing wrong, it didn't matter if the machinery worked. If there was a blemish and there was a discoloration, they would take that thing apart and say, how many times have you seen these on this? Like, I really didn't pay attention. I'm, I'm, I'm working my tail off just to try to keep up. I'm not paying attention to that. And so it's like no problem. And they would go in the warehouse and find every single one that had that little blemish on it and make us fix it. It wasn't our fault, but you have to have quality control. The Holy Spirit has to be our quality control. He will lead and guide us and say, I know that's the way you're used to doing it. I know you think that's the way it works. But let me show you a more excellent way. There are things that we automatically know how to do. How many of you struggle with eating a piece of chicken? Anybody struggle with eating chicken? Even when you eat fish, once you start getting to a point, you start feeling bones in there, you automatically know, I need to stop and spit those bones out. All right, some of you don't. Maybe you're just that hungry. <laughs> but you know what you can and you can't eat. How many of you have problems closing your eyes when you go to sleep? It's something you just automatically do. Some things in life we don't have to be told. Some things we don't have to be taught. And after we learn them, it's not an issue. 
But can we fix that? Okay. All right. Oh, oh, okay. I thought it was something else. All right. Y'all forgive me. But we're God's handiwork. Now, if you think about a business or a manufacturing plant and what's going on, somewhere in that building, if you imagine a huge warehouse, somewhere in that building, there's someone in an office filling out schedules, ordering material, conducting payroll, ordering all types of, of assets, you know, maybe making sure the bathrooms are clean. All of those things are going on. So even though the production line can keep going and keep going and keep going, someone has to be in charge and everything has to work together. But the problem is, or the goal is, is that the production line and the office must work together to produce to get the product and the process to work together. The production line and the office must work to put the product and the process together. We are the product, but God gives us the process. We've got to learn how to get, again, we've got to learn how to get our flesh and our spirit man to work together to manufacture results. Being part of the process and not being a part of the accolades. Because many people will come to you and like, you know something? I knew that was going to happen. Really. I, I knew that light was going to turn green. The Lord told me that light was going to turn green. That light been turning green. We, we call that for some of you, they call it profit line. After everything is said and done, they're like, you know something? The Lord was telling me that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where God gets the glory is when we can say, go to someone and say, you know something? I feel the Lord is telling me this. And, and we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful. But you know when God is, is involved, when you can say something's going to happen and it comes to pass. But some things we don't need help with. We've got to learn to get this process working together. Amen? Amen. When we manufacture results, the Lord will be glorified and all people will be drawn to him. In John, I believe this 12th chapter, he says, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw how many men? All men, all men unto me. But we've got to get in this process of not just taking credit for things, not just going and, and getting a little smidgen, but being part of the process and the manufacturing of results. Are y'all with me? All right. So let me ask you this question. Does your integrity reflect your invoices and your inventory? Does your integrity reflect your invoices and your inventory. Meaning, when I look at your life, when you look at my life, because guess what? We're, we're, we're our brother's keeper. So when I look at your life, you look at my life, is what you say what you are? Is the word of God really flowing in you like you say it's supposed to be flowing? 
something in you? When I look at you, I should be able to look at the word of God, look at the Bible, and the both, both of them should be the same. When we balance the books, and it says, give, and it shall be given unto you. When the Bible tells us to forgive, you shall be forgiven. And I'm paraphrasing, but we know what the Bible teaches us. How can we expect God to forgive me and I won't forgive my brother? So, or is my integrity reflecting my invoices and my inventory? What is in me? Not just the paperwork, not just what's coming out of my mouth, but what's really inside of me. And if they don't match up, come on, y'all. If they don't match up, do you do business with people that are crooked? Do you keep going to the same restaurant that keeps giving you the same bad service? The food is cold? No, because they're not manufacturing results. So you stray away from those. So when people, are people coming to you because, or should I say, do people not come to you because you don't line up with the word of God? How come I'm a Christian and, and I tell them I go to church? Well, there's a reason. There's a reason why people don't come to us. And I don't have to tell you what it is. And you don't, you can't tell me what mine is. Because I already know. Because God is working on me. I'm not perfect. So the definition of manufacturing is the making of a product or making of articles on a large scale, usually using uh, some type of machinery. But that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to make anything on a large scale, and we're not using machinery. But I want to use these synonyms for manufacturing. It means making, constructing, building, assembly, creation, processing, putting together, turning out, engineering, forging. All of these are synonym, synonyms excuse me, for manufacturing. But my favorite word of all of these is forging. Now, I'm not talking about forging like forging someone's signature. Writing someone else's name down. But forging means to make or shape by heating it with fire. Heating it with fire or a furnace and beating and hammering it. So we're going to find ourselves in some heated places. God is trying to manufacture us, but he's got to burn some things out of us. And then when he pulls us out, he's like, you're like, oh, now I can finally cool off. God's like, no, you ain't cooling off yet. I got to beat some things out of you in a manner of speaking. And I've got to shape you while you're still shapeable. Because once you cool off, I can't bend you like that. And if anyone's ever done any type of metal work, once metal gets warm, it gets hot, it's easier to bend. And on a little side note, that's why it's like when you park your car and you see people bump against the curb and leave the tire there. You know, once your suspension starts moving around and it starts bending and heating up and then you park it in an awkward position, then you wonder why you got a bad alignment. Just a little side note. Are y'all back with me? Okay, thank you. But once something gets hot, once that metal gets hot, it's shapeable, it's bendable. And again, we're not talking about the forging as in the faking it, we're talking about the forging as in making it and manufacturing. 
is to beat into shape, to cast, to model. So I want to ask you another question. I got a lot of questions today. You have sat down and you're, you've made this dish and you know you make it good. Not saying you make it better than anyone else, but you know you make it good. Maybe it's a meatloaf, it's a casserole, and you've got it in the oven, and you're like, man, when that thing, you open it up, and you check, and it's like, oh, yeah, about 15 more minutes, and we're going to just throw down. Then I'm going to have some, some buns, some biscuits, or croissants, or whatever. Got my vegetables and everything ready. And you open up the oven, and you go to grab that pan. And as you grab that pan, knowing where you're going to take it, you realize that pan is hot. It is burning your hands. Do you drop the dish if it's hot? No. Regardless of the pain, you hold on to it until you can deliver it. In a split second, you make a decision because you realize all the work that you have put into this, you know that there's somebody else besides you that's depending on that meal You're thinking about if I drop this, the plate is going to break, the dish is going to bend, food is going everywhere, then I got to clean it up. You think about all of that in just about two or three seconds. And what do you do? You hold on to it regardless of how much it hurts. How much it hurts. But yet, when God gets us in a certain situation, and God is saying, hold on to it, and you're like, no, Lord, I'm letting it go. It hurts too much. But what about the people that are going to be fed by your lives? You're like, no, I'm going to let it go. But but that person that you said, I'm praying for you. And you let it go. You drop it. I'll clean up the mess, Lord. Send someone else to help them out because I can't do it right now. Do you hold on? We'll hold on to the pan, but we won't hold on to the problem. We hold on to it. How is that that we do that? And I'm asking myself too. Does my integrity reflect my invoices and my inventory? Y'all quiet? Everyone in the business loves that management comes down. On today we're going to be honoring our sister Pamela. Y'all call her Pam but she's sister Pamela. And we're going to offer her and give her, present her this prestigious award. Everyone loves those kind of accolades, don't they? We want, I mean, that is just human nature. That we want to be honored. We want people to recognize us for the hard work we've done. Whether in front of everyone or behind the scenes. But what we don't want is an audit. You want the award, but you don't want the audit. We're fine. I mean, ain't nothing down here broke. You see how many products? And when I worked on that production line, I'm telling y'all, it was, it was brutal. Because on one line, they had two counters. One would tell you how many you have made, and the other one would tell you how many you're supposed to be. And it might be at 700 here, how many we've made, but guess what? It's saying you're supposed to have 750. And we couldn't, we couldn't beat it. But we're still putting out a product. We're still doing good. We're making it. No, you're still getting paid. You want the blessing. But we don't want to do the work. 
But this is what we've got to do to manufacture results. And it's so that it was so discouraging. And I mean, there was, and I would say in maybe a um, three or four month time frame, five days a week, we beat that computer maybe three or four times. It was hard work and it was so discouraging to go home every day knowing that your best was not good enough for this company. But God is just asking. That's all God is asking you for is to give your best. And he'll, he'll put the rest together. He ain't going to fudge no numbers. He ain't going to pay nobody off. But God is just saying, give me your best. And we together with the Holy Spirit, you will manufacture results. Hallelujah. So how does all of this happen? It's under God's graceful watch. That's keeping us on track. So in order for us to manufacture results, there's three things we need to do. Receive. You don't have to go to all three of them. Receiving, reviewing, and reporting. Receiving, reviewing, and reporting. This is an ongoing process. And at one point, you may be receiving. Another point, you may be reporting. Don't think that everything in life goes by, well, I can't take on any more problems because I have a problem right now. We don't get to pick and choose when our problems stop. That's just life. And you may have the same problem going on at the same time as another situation. But God is not going to put more on you than what you're able to endure. But some things you don't have to review. Like Pastor Wendy and I were talking this morning. If you're standing on a street corner and you hear gunshots, I receive it and then I'm reporting it and then I'm retreating. There ain't no reviewing. <laughs> there is no reviewing the process. I'm getting out of there. There's some things that you just have to act upon. You're driving down the road and somebody swerves over into your lane. You go straight from receiving to reporting. There is no reviewing. But we need to learn to receive, review, and report. At a minimum, you pull up to, you pull up to a restaurant. And I, I don't know if anybody does this, but let's just say Wendy's. You pull up to the window and say, they ask you, hi, welcome to Wendy's. How can I help you? I want a hamburger. Okay, who would you like on it? I just want a hamburger. Do you want mayonnaise, pickles? I want two buns and a hamburger. No drink, no fries. Do you want ketchup? No. Any condiments? No. I want a hamburger. Two buns or one bun, top and bottom. And a piece of meat. I don't know if you could do that anywhere. So you pull around. <laughs> Complicated order. <laughs> you pull around. And you go to give them your money. They take your money at the first window. You get to the second window. Like Robert. Because you know sometimes they ask you your name. Yeah, Robert. Um. Where's my hamburger? Um, excuse me, sir. Can you pull over there and we'll bring your order out to you? Wait a minute. All I asked for 
was a hamburger. No fries, no drink, no ketchup, no mustard, no onions. You ain't got to give me no napkins. <laughs> but because two people, the bread boy and the burger boy, can't get together, I don't get no hamburger. And God is saying, I've made it really simple for you. And until you learn to put the burger and the bun together, people are starving. And I've said it, I've said it before. A lot of things that we talk about in the word of God, they're simple. That's good. Well, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast this devil out? And Jesus said, some things only come out by prayer and fasting. It's simple. It's just not easy. It's simple, but it's just not always easy. So get your buns and your burger and put them together because someone is starving because we won't do what God has called us to do. God's saying, I need you to manufacture some results. Stop waiting on other people. Stop giving excuses. Start putting things together. Now let's talk about receiving. Let's talk about receiving. And I want to use a passage of scripture coming from the book of John, chapter 11. One of the longest, I'll say, dialogues or written stories in the Bible. But I want to go through this really, not quick, but I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on on each subject or each verse. Familiar subject or familiar story that many of you have heard. Now, for the book of John, because we're talking about going into another sermon series when we are, excuse me, another Bible study after this. Um, A sermon series, we're going to talk about Jesus. And I think the same thing we'll do in Bible study. But the book of John doesn't give any parables. The closest thing he gives to a parable is in chapter 15, where he says, I am the vine. Uh, and you all are the branches. That's the closest in John that he comes to a parable. So everything that Jesus talks about is real life. No parables. Everything is real life. Everything has happened. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany. The town of, the town of Mary and Martha. His sister. Her sister. And then verse 3 says. The sister sent for Jesus saying. Lord behold. He whom you love is sick. Y'all pray for me. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, then he, then, oh, excuse me. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Receiving. Jesus has received this information. He knows about Lazarus. Lazarus, this one whom he loved. Mary and Martha, whom he also loved. But what's Jesus doing? He's just receiving information. We've all received information. But what are you doing with the information that you have received? Imagine again your inboxes in the office, in the business that we're running. Now you've got something in your inbox. But where does it go? In your life, after it goes in the inbox, have we received? In verse 3, Jesus 
Oh, excuse me. Oftentimes there is a sense of urgency because it's someone that's close to us. If they're not close to you, there isn't a sense of urgency. Am I right? If it's somebody in your family and you find out they're sick, you're going to get up. You're going to leave. If you got to leave work, if you got to leave other people doing your job, you're going to do what you have to do. In verse 4, it's a process to mature because Jesus heard this. He's saying, the sickness is not on the death but for the glory of God. Also in John chapter 9, there was a boy who was born blind and they're saying, well, well who sinned? And Jesus was like, nobody sinned. This is for the glory of God. It's a process that we have to mature in learning how to let God work throughout the situation, no matter how bad it may be. When you see an ambulance or a police car running down the road with their lights on, what do you do? Say what now? Move out the way. Who else? Pray. Why don't we pray? It ain't got nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with me because I know I just came from my house and they're going that way. So why should I pray? Because we have received. We have received. That's how we manufacture results. And you know God is so awesome that you can find out, and it doesn't always happen, but you can find out time later it's like, yeah, man, you know, the other day I was, I was stuck in traffic, man, because this ambulance was coming down the road and I thought I was going to make it to the light. Yeah, man, that ambulance was going to my mom's house. It's like, really? But did you pray for the EMTs? Did you pray for the police? Y'all help me out now. Verse 6. And when Jesus heard that he was sick, he stayed there two more days. Now, this is where we have to learn to mature. This is where our maturity comes in. You know Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Why aren't you going? Because Jesus is in the receiving mode regarding Lazarus. But now Jesus is also in the reviewing mode for another situation. Jesus didn't solve one problem all at one time. Because when one person comes to him... He's on his way to take care of one problem. And yet there's a woman who says, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. He didn't say, get off me. I got to go take care of somebody else first. We're not doing that right now. So you could be receiving in one point and reporting in another. You could be reviewing and then turn around and receiving, which is Jesus. Jesus already had something on his mind. He already knew a place where his father was having him to go. It's easy, y'all. Excuse me. It's simple. It's just not always easy. The second one is reviewing. Reviewing. Beginning at verse 7. And if you all want to, okay, yeah, it does have on the New King James Version. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go again to Judea. Again. So he's, he already knew there was somewhere else he had to go. That's why he stayed there two more days. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and they're going, and you were going there again? 
And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve days, twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. Jesus is telling them, I've got work to do. I have work to do. And as long as you are walking in the light, you're not going to stumble. Not in the physical light. As long as you're being led by God, you will not stumble. Just because things come in your way and you think you're falling, you can't hold on, you can't maintain. But if you're walking in the light, you won't stumble. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him or her. These things he said. And after he said unto them, our our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of this death. Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about him taking rest in sleep. In verse 14, then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Why didn't Jesus leave to go immediately? And I've already said that. He was reviewing his situation that he had to go to Judea. And although there are some situations from verse 9 that appear to be pressing, some things are more important at the time. Even though a situation you're in seems to be extremely pressing, there can be other situations that you have to stop. And minister to someone else. Well why can't you talk to me right now? Because I have something that's more pressing. The other day when I had to go get a rental car. And I'm sitting there waiting and waiting. They're like Mr. Spady thank you for your patience. And I'm like I know I'm not your only customer. I know I'm not your only customer. I know you'll get to me in due time. And sometimes in life that's what's happening. Sometimes it's clear sailing. And sometimes it's like the weight of the world is on you. In verse 14. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Not everyone is going to understand your walk with Christ. Not everyone is going to receive you so gladly. Oh, I'm. I'm glad you go to church. How many of us are at the point where we are despised because we're Christians? I know of one. People despise you because of your walk with Christ. But at the same point, we have to be honest with people. Because they're not going to understand why you do what you do. Why in the world... Would you work 40 hours at a job that you really wish you don't have to go to only to turn around and give the church your money? Really, y'all, it does not make sense. Logically. Oh, well, you know, I ain't really giving to the church. I'm looking for a tax write-off. And that's how some people think. But we have to be able to defend our faith. That it is better to give than it is to receive. That I'm walking by faith and not by sight. And there's a whole list of scriptures that you can go through. But at some point, we have to tell people the truth. 
And that's what Jesus had to do. He tried to tell them, well, he sleeps. He's taking rest. Well, if we go, Lord, then we wake him up. Maybe, he's, maybe Lazarus is tired. He's like, no. The truth of the matter is, is that Lazarus is dead. And the Lord told me this quite some time ago. That in our lives, in order for some things to live, some things have to die. For some things in our lives, for God to prosper us, to get to to our destiny. And I don't mean an eternal destiny. I mean the destiny by the end of the month. The, The destiny that you're waiting for in three or four days. For some things to live, some things have to die. We've got to let go of them. And that's when we have to tell our problems. That's when we have to tell certain people, this relationship is dead. Well, you know, we can work things out. You know, we've been, we've been friends since high school. <laughs> Sorry, this is over. You, you ain't following me on Facebook no more? No, because I see the stuff you post. I am unfriending you. For some things to live, some things have to die. Some things we have to walk away from. And, and you know, we can go through the scriptures and try to explain it. But you've heard it long before me and you'll keep hearing it. That whatever God tells you to get rid of, he'll replace it with something so much better. Yes. Let's go look to verse 20. Same chapter. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Keep that in mind. Next verse. Huh? That's it? Okay, verse. Okay, verse 21. Excuse me. Oh, no, 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 no. Verse 23. And Jesus said to her. Your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. So, people can say certain things. Like, you know something, man? If you'd have been here, all this wouldn't have happened. It's like, you know, I am entitled to vacation. I can't be here every single day. Man, if you had done this, then this wouldn't have happened. But you know something? We've all made mistakes. And we've all found ourselves not being in the place we're supposed to be. Can I get an amen? amen? That we missed it. We didn't do what we should have done or we did something we shouldn't have done, as Paul said. But when you think about the omnipotent God that we serve, God already knows the situation. They're saying, Jesus, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. So so what is it? (coughs) Bless you, God. Don't die. Don't die on me. So so we're saying that if I'm not here, if I'm here, then everything is going to be all right. No, I can't. I can't help you. If you got a cold, you got a cold. And as a matter of fact, since you have a flu, I'm staying away from you. Y'all can tweet that. 
If you have the flu, I'm staying away from you. So don't blame other people because they're not in place. All of my hope and all of my trust is in God. Don't blame Jesus because Jesus was not there. Jesus was in the reviewing process. Jesus had somewhere else to go. God is on the throne, not us. And then he tells him in the end, he says, your brother will rise again. I don't care how bad your situation is. And some of us are going through some things. Some of us just came out of some things. And some of you get ready. You're getting ready to go through something. But you've got to speak the positive. You've got to speak the scriptures. You've got to speak over your situation. Calling those things that be not as though they were. And unto Abraham it was counted unto him for righteousness. He called those things that be not as though they were. Well I've been saying this same scripture for five years. Well maybe God's waiting for the sixth year. Maybe you were just ready to let go of the hot pot instead of thinking about the end results because this is going to be for the glory of God. And then finally, let's talk about the reporting. The reporting. In verse 37, he says, some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Meaning Lazarus. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been dead. He's been dead. My situation has been dead. I can't get nothing to work right. Because it's dead. For four days. And Jesus said to her. Did I not tell you. That if you would believe. You would see the glory of God. And this is what he had already told his disciples. Then they took away the stone from the place. Where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. And said father. Father. I thank you for you have what? Heard me. I know that you have always heard me, but because of the people who are standing by said this, but because of the people who, were, who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice. Lazarus come forth. Even though we are led by the spirit, you are going to receive criticism. You're going to be led by, you're going to, you're going to get flack. Why did you do that? Because I have to answer to God for my actions. If you don't do it, then that's, that's you. Maybe you don't believe. Or maybe your faith is not at that level. But I've got to do what I've got to do. Noah built an ark. According to the specification that God gave him. In a time where it did not rain. What is this guy doing? He's building a boat in the middle of the desert. He won't live in Virginia Beach. 
Noah did not live at Virginia Beach. He was in the middle of the desert. And after he built the boat, and they all got on, it did not rain for 120 years. But Noah had to manufacture some results. He had to prove that God was God. And sadly enough, everyone who was not on that boat, only eight souls, Eight souls were saved. The rest of them drowned. The rest of them drowned. For 120 years, they sat and waited. In verse 30, excuse me, in verse 41, and now in those things that, he had to call those things that were not as though they were. He thanked God in advance for hearing him. Can we say that when we get down and pray? Our Father which art in heaven, first thing we want to do is we want to acknowledge God. We want to reverence him. At what point in our prayer can we say, Lord, I thank you that you have already heard me? Now, are we saying you heard me the last time I prayed? Last week? Or do you hear me this time? Because you, you know my thoughts are far off. You know, what I'm gonna, you know what I'm getting ready to say before I even say it. But we've got to speak to our situation and tell it to come forth. Tell our situation to come forth. And I'm just about done. We are still the go-to people on the earth. There are many organizations out there. There's the Salvation Army. There's a Union Mission. There are banks where you can get loans. There are cars where you can, there are lots where you can buy cars. But when it boils down to it, are you someone that people can go to for answers? When you know someone is getting ready to have surgery, can you tell them, well, I'm praying for you. Can you even say that? And when you say it, do people believe you? Because, I mean, it doesn't doesn't take a rocket scientist to look on the news and see that people are dying every day. And then you look through the article, as you you do on social media, you look through the article, and everyone's tweeting prayers to the family, condolences. But are you the one, are we the ones who can manufacture results? And don't get me wrong, it's been a difficult time for many of you, but it doesn't mean that everything is going to work out the way we want it to work out. But for those situations that God is still moving and God, we know God's hand has been in it. Your situation is not unto death. Your situation is not going to kill you. Your situation is not going to take you out. Your situation is so that God can be glorified. So how does God get the glory in my situation? You know, we say, well, you know, I'm really a private person and I don't like to tell people my business. Sometimes you need to tell people your business. Sometimes, and what I mean by telling your business, 
I had to tell a guy years ago, <laughs> I'm like, hey, um, you got a, a ticket for such and such, and I won't say what he got a ticket for. And I said, well, you know, I got a reckless driving ticket because I was driving up around Richmond, 295. And I told him, well, you know, I'm facing the same situation. But I believe God is going to work it out. You know, I didn't tell him all about my finances and my, you know, everything that's going on in my life and, you know, what I'm having for dinner. Not all of that. But then you can go to people after the fact and tell them, you know something? God worked that situation out for me. So, so if you just, if, if all you do is test a lie or prophesy a lie or tell everybody after the fact, like, yeah, bless God. Sometimes you got to tell people that you're going through things to kind of, you don't want to make yourself a target, but then again, you do. You want people to look at you and say, well, How's it holding up? How you doing, Joe? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know that wherever I lay my head, God is with me. You don't tell everybody all of your business. But this is how we... This is how we manufacture results. You got to get involved. You got to receive that information. You got to review it. Look it over. What God, even like yesterday, we're sitting there on the side of the road. Like this should not be happening. This is a brand new vehicle. And they said it before I could. Lord, what are you trying to show us? What are you trying to show me? So what does your inboxes look like? You've received it. Now you're reviewing it. Is there anything in your report box? Are we taking it to God? Saying, Lord, you're going to have to work this out. Or is it receiving reviewing and we haven't talked to God about anything we're just complaining Lord fix it Lord fix it well what does my word say and I'll if you go to my word I'll 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 honor my word 